have a hard time with that light. It glares down here, and I can't see through my bifocals. <laughs> so, so today's the last day of the year. Do you remember what you were doing on the first day of 2017? Anybody remember? Just think about that. Well, on January 1st, I was standing here talking about what an obedient heart looks like. It was Sunday, so that kind of stayed with me. Um, on, uh, uh, so so I, I had asked on December 31st, what will your obedient heart look like? God wants action, not to earn salvation, but as proof as a, of a surrendered heart, an obedient heart. And being obedient demonstrates our faithfulness to God. We obey God's commands not because we have to, but because we want to, because we love him. Uh, a loving relationship with God is marked by commitment, intimacy, and trust. We build our own integrity, our identity, even our humility through our relationship with him. Any relationship that God has placed in our lives should manifest, should demonstrate, and should reveal these characteristics. And what a better way to go into the new year than to talk about our relationship with God, with our family, and with our friends. So this week and next week, I'm going to talk about relationships. So if you would pull out your message notes, you should have some in, in your bulletin. Um, I'm going to talk today about, and I'm going to focus on our relationship with God, our Father, and nurturing that relationship. So let's first look at the word relationship. For a few seconds, I want you to think about what relationship means to you. So just think about that. You think about the people in your life. I think of all of you here. I think of my dear husband. Uh, I think about my children. I think about my friends. Um, sometimes um, I think about some relationships that aren't so good. Um, but it's all about relationships. Um, I found this defini definition of relationship. It's the way in which two or more people or organizations regard and behave toward each other. I want you to think about the relationship between a landlord and a tenant. And I bring that up because uh, over the years, uh, Doug and I have had rental homes. We still have a couple left. Um, I don't claim them because he does all the work, but <laughs> it's a lot harder than it looks. But in order to understand how you need to behave in a landlord-tenant relationship, an agreement is drawn up that outlines all the rules of the relationship. In a rental agreement, you might find things like the names of the tenants, limits on occupancy, the term of the tenancy, monthly rent, deposits, fees, repairs and maintenance responsibilities, the rights of the landlord to enter the property, restrictions on tenant illegal activity, and whether pets are allowed, and so on. As Christians, we have an agreement in the new covenant with God, which is the promise he makes with us that he will forgive sin and restore fellowship with those whose hearts are turned toward him through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus, our mediator of the new covenant, and his death on the cross is the basis of this covenant. And whether you followed uh, Christ for a long time or you're a new follower of Christ, you may feel a sense of disconnect, even though you do things to lead a godly life, such as praying and reading the Bible, serving at outreach events, and going to church regularly. 
However, a relationship with God is not about speaking perfect prayers and tracking every worship service you attend. It's not about what you do or how you do it. It's about knowing who God really is in your life. And in order to know who God is, you have to nurture your relationship with him by making time for him in your daily life. And just like our friendships encompass spending time with one another, we also need to do the same with God. So how do we do that? How do we nurture our relationship with God? Well, we spend time with God. And I'm going to kind of give you a general overview of what my time looks like. First of all, let me share that with you. I plan my quiet time with God in the morning. I'm a morning person, so I have no problem getting up and out of bed and moving into what some people call devotions. I call it quiet time. Uh, most days I say a short prayer before even getting out of bed. And devotion means commitment or dedication to some purpose. It's a commitment or dedication. For Christians, it denotes the discipline of uh, Bible reading, praying, and worshiping and praising God. Now, we, Doug and I have a small home, so I typically just sit on the couch. You don't have to have, like, a special prayer closet or, you know, I've read that in the Bible. I, I tried to find one for so long, but I found out that you don't need that. You just, I just sit on the couch, and I pray for God's guidance and then read or listen to a devotional. I, I either do it from a book or I, I go online. There's a lot of good things online. I do some extended Bible reading, and then I pray sometimes using my prayer journal but I always allow the Holy Spirit to lead me. Sometimes when I pray, I turn on instrumental um, worship music, which is really nice to have in the background. Uh, keep in mind, these are my ideas for starting the day. And because we're different, my approach may not be your approach. You might prefer spending your time with God before bedtime at night or maybe during your lunch hour. Uh, but being intentional about seeking God is vital. So when quiet time with God is over, that those, those moments in the morning or at night or at lunchtime, uh, remember that you're not finished. God loves to fellowship with us, so continue to communicate with him throughout the day, just like you would with your family or friends. I told one of my small groups a few weeks ago that I would love to see my devotional time, my quiet time, turn into 24-7 worship because God created us for his purpose and what better way to let him know than to give every every moment of our day to him now Paul explains why it's so important to spend time with God in 2nd Corinthians 4 verses 6 and 7 it says for God who said let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. You know, I believe we all want to please God, but sometimes we're driven by our emotions. I know I'm, I'm driven by my emotions a lot. Our hearts are burdened. We feel miserable, emotional, and lost. And like the verse said, and I love the imagery of this verse, we are fragile clay jars. So if we draw uh, near to God through a daily quiet time and talking and listening to him throughout our day, we can get to know who God really is in our lives. We can access God's great treasure, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, to get us through the tough times. You know, Satan uses all kinds of methods to drag us away from God. And we've talked about that in my small group, Battlefield of the Mind, by Joyce Meyer. 
that he is a master strategizer and has been perfecting his plan for eons. Paul warns us in Ephesians 6.11, and I, in your notes, write that down, Ephesians 6.11, to put on the full armor of God so that we'll be able to stand on who we are in Christ, of how we are made righteous in God's eyes by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. What better way to pull us away from our time with God? I'm not going to get into specifics, but over the past year I've spent a lot of time with um, what I referred to earlier as shards of fragile broken clay all around me because although I thought I was responding to God's call, my involvement in a situation let me left me doubting my abilities. I remember at the beginning of the year, um, I don't know if you all remember, Linda Busick came and she um, she did the second message of the year, and I was listening to Linda Busick's message about choosing peace um, as she read from Second Chronicles 20, 15 to 17, and you might want to write that passage down, that Second Chronicles 20, verses 15 and 17, that during our battles, God sometimes calls us to stand still. And later, and I mean months later, when I finally talked with Pastor Peggy about the situation, and my doubts, she reminded me that as our faith grows in God, Satan will attack us and fill our minds with doubt. And then she prayed for me for God's uh, protection from Satan's lies and for God's peace. Pastor encouraged me to find a Bible verse to stand on, which I did. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And as I thought about that, I realized that I hadn't been standing still, like Linda had talked about earlier, and I hadn't been waiting on God, because he does strengthen us and help us if we're obedient. Shortly after that, I was talking to my daughter-in-law, Hillary's mom, who is also my very good friend, and we got to talking about Joyce Meyer and her book, Battlefield of the Mind, which I had forgotten I even had. I had bought it like five years ago before I had even retired, um, but I had not read it. So I pulled that out and started reading it and understanding how right thinking is vital. Um, the clincher is a few weeks ago during our, and I know this is, seems like a long story, but it all, it'll all work out here. <laughs> a few weeks ago during our small group on Tuesday nights at Real Life, we were talking about ways we resist God's leading. I asked, but what about the times we were doing everything right and doing what God has called us to do? And I remember Charlie um, saying, um, just a minute, um, he, he said, Sometimes our own pride gets in the way. <laughs> and had I not been seeking God, spending quiet time with God, I might have taken offense to that uh, statement. But God tells us that if another believer is overcome by something, and for me it was pride, um, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back <clears throat> onto the right path. As I thought about the past year in each of those instances, I realized that they were lessons. I didn't stand still or wait on God when he first called me to that at the beginning of the year, and Satan was definitely mixing up my truths that God has taught me and was creating doubt. And I needed to be meditating on, not just reading through a passage, but meditating on God's word rather than reading it and moving on to the next thing on my to-do list. And earlier I said I was doing everything right, which is prideful. You see, it's during our quiet time with God and those intentional moments throughout the day with him in prayer 
in reading his word that we build our intimacy and our integrity and our identity and even our humility. So I've talked a little bit about a general overview of spending daily and the daily uh, intentional time with God, why it's so important, and, and how to nurture that relationship with him. So let's break it down a little further and focus on communicating God, uh, with God through prayer. And you know, Jesus is our best example uh, of using prayer in his life to communicate with the Father. When we read through the Gospel of Luke, we see that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. We see that in Luke 11, 1 through 4. And he talked in parables about persistent prayer, which we see that in Luke 11, 5 through 13. And then in Luke 18, 1 through 8. Jesus prayed at critical moments in his life. He prays at his baptism in Luke 3, 21. He prayed all night before choosing his disciples, which we read in Luke 6, 12. In Luke 9, 28, he prays at the transfiguration when Peter, John, and James witnessed his true glory unveiled. And he prayed for Peter before Peter's denial in Luke 22, 32. And then in Luke 23, 34, he prayed for those who murdered him. Jesus consistently and earnestly prayed to God, and it was his attitude in prayer that united one of his basic values that he lived by, which we find in John 5, 19. And this is our focus verse, so let's read it together. John 5, 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. John 5, 19. The more we speak to God, the more we come to know his character. We must pray without ceasing. But every now and then we need to step back and evaluate where we are in our lives so that our prayers can be specific. Being specific in prayer emphasizes our dependence on God and brings intimacy to our relationship with him. And so what is being specific? Um, say you're having financial difficulties. You might pray, loving God, thank you for your blessings. I'm having financial problems. Please help me. Now, there's nothing wrong with that prayer, but I want you to listen to this prayer that I found at guidepost.org. I want you to listen for that trust and that intimacy and, and even the humility that I talked about earlier. It says, God, help us straighten out our financial problems. We haven't been good stewards of our money. Do you hear that humility in there? <laughs> Give us a new attitude and a new commitment to managing our finances wisely and responsibly. If our problems are beyond our repair, help us find a way, your way, to meet our obligations. We place this need before you, knowing that you will guide us to a good solution. Now, another way to be specific in prayer is to pray God's word. I pray Colossians 2, 6, and 7, and if you want to write that down, Colossians 2, 6, and 7 for my family and friends. And I say, loving God, I ask that my family and future generations would accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and that we would follow you all the days of our lives. Let our roots grow down into you. Let our lives be built on you. I ask that our faith will grow strong in the truth you teach us and that we will overflow with thankfulness. And there's nothing wrong with using sources, different sources for prayer and quiet time and devotions. I found guideposts online while I was writing this message has a wonderful section called Faith and Prayer that is broken down into categories such as anxiety, 
depression, financial stress, families, caregivers, and medical issues. In each of these categories, you can find prayers, Bible verses, and devotional readings that will help you be specific in your prayer time and intentional about seeking God. And if you don't have access to a computer, you know, we have the upper room out in the lobby, or you can check out our library resources upstairs. I wanted to share this quote with you because I think this really says it all. It's a quote by Oswald Smith, who's also a pastor and an author. He says, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. So we've talked about prayer, about us communicating with God through prayer. The third way to nurture our relationship with God is to let God speak to you. You know, God conversed with Paul on his way to Damascus, and he told Noah to build an ark. God spoke to Moses in the burning bush as well as Adam in the Garden of Eden. And through my own experiences, I believe there are several, several ways that God speaks to us today. I would describe God's voice as sensible and rational, and when I'm being obedient, it conveys an attitude of peace, confidence, and joy for me when I'm listening to him. And here are three of the ways God talks to us. It's through his word. God loves us so much that he desperately wants us to speak to us. He wants to speak to us through his word. Everything we need to know in order to be saved and live the Christian life, uh, we can read about in the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And I love the Old Testament and, Testament and the lessons we can learn, so I have to share Isaiah 55, 11 that says, It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper anywhere I send it. Rick Warren, I think, says it pretty well, too. It's your guidebook for life. It shows you the right step to take. That is why you need to read God's word every day. If you're not having a daily quiet time and reading the Bible, God is getting a busy signal when he wants to speak to you. You have to keep a constant connection because God's will is found in God's word. Now, the next way God speaks to us is through other believers. You know, I shared earlier from my own life how godly people spoke truth to me. God used uh, the wise counsel of Pastor Peggy and Linda and Charlie and uh, Kay, who reminded me uh, of right thinking and why I chose Battlefield of the Minds for my small group study this year. Um, the thing is, uh, we have to ask ourselves if we're listening when God speaks to us in this way. I didn't hold on to the message Linda talked about at the first of the year for very long, and it was months later that it would come back and click in place. It's only when our hearts are obedient to the will of God that we can hear his truth. Another reason why daily, intentional time with God is so important. I have to add a disclaimer here. If anyone claims that God has spoken to them about you, always, always compare what they say with what the Bible says. God will never ask you to do something that opposes or challenges his word. And the message will always bring glory to God. <coughs> Now, another way God speaks to us is through our difficulties. And again, thinking about my example, I believe God uses problems or struggles to direct us. God certainly got my attention as each of those moments from the past year hurled through my mind, ending with Charlie answering 
with sometimes our pride gets in the way. All year God was trying to get my attention. And it sometimes takes a difficult, even painful situation to make us change our ways. In my utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers explained that not everything that happens to us is, as Christians makes human sense. He says, to turn head faith into a personal possession is a fight always, not sometimes, you know, because we're human. Uh, God brings us into circumstances in order to educate our faith because the nature of faith is to make its object real. Mr. Uh, yes, Mr. Chambers goes on to say that it is in sickness, suffering, and thwarted friendships when God gets us all alone that he begins to teach us. Now, there are other ways uh, that God speaks to us, and if in your notes you might want to just doubt, uh, jot down other ways that you think he's speaking to you, one of the ways I thought about was that I, I feel like he speaks to me through nature. Um, I love, I love being near water. I love looking for rocks. Um, I love uh, bird watching. And so I really feel like God speaks to me through nature. So maybe just stop, jot down throughout the week things that uh, you think God is saying to you and how he's speaking to you. You know, when I think about a relationship with God, I believe that he loves us so much that he's put everything in place to protect us from the consequences of sin. And isn't a personal relationship with God the best uh, relationship to have? And like any relationship worth having, we have to work at our relationship with God. We have to spend intentional time with him. And I don't mean we have to draw up a rental agreement or work at it from a legalistic point of view, but from that obedient heart and through quiet time and worship and prayer, reading his word, letting him speak to us. You know, tomorrow starts a new year. Uh, we can't stop it from coming. 2018 is going to be here. And if you haven't made a New Year's resolution, I would urge you to make your relationship with God through Jesus Christ your primary focus. Ask yourself these questions. Do I know who God really is in my life? And what does nurturing a relationship with God look like? What does spending time with God look like? Remember, one way is to, uh, to nurture your relationship with God is to be intentional, intentional about reading God's word. I thought that maybe a Bible reading challenge would help us get started on that path to a closer relationship with God and with each other. So in your bulletin, um, you'll find a list of scriptures to read throughout the month of January, uh, scripture for each day of the month. Uh, next to the verses is the name of the person who submitted it, so I would suggest um, each day reading the, um, reading the verse and then praying for the person who submitted that verse. Um, it'll give us a chance to be a little more intimate with one, one another, and, and I just think it's a great way to start out our year. You know, our relationship with God is about allowing him to reign in our hearts and lives, surrendering ourselves. Choosing to let the love of Christ rule in our hearts is where relationship begins. And you'll never, never, ever waste a moment seeking God, spending quiet, intentional time with him. You know, we've spent the month of December celebrating Christ's birth. And as we move into the new year, let's continue to move forward in our faith. And like the shepherds, as they went back to their flocks, let's glorify and praise God for all we have heard and seen. Let's spend every moment of 2018 nurturing our relationship with God, our Father. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we're here today with open hearts and ready, ready to depend on you and to nurture your relationship. 
our relationship um, with you. Remind us to come to you for guidance and strength, for provision and for protection. Remind us that it's in our quiet time with you and through our relationship with you that we build our commitment, our trust, our integrity, our identity, and even our, our humility. In good times and even as we face tough choices and hard situations, help us remember how much you love us. Help us remember that we are your children and in every relationship remind us that we are your representatives to the world around us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our loving Savior.